I have some really exciting news for listeners of the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Most people think lifestyle investing is about making more money or creating additional passive income streams. And while that is part of it, the most savvy lifestyle investors understand that having a solid tax strategy is fundamental and really foundational to creating wealth. I firmly believe that having the right tax strategy is the single best investment that you can make. I know tax strategy isn't the sexiest topic, but once you understand a few key elements to the IRS playbook, the compounding benefit you receive year after year is enormously significant. In fact, we have members inside the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind who have used these strategies and have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, millions of dollars. This is not a nice to have if you're interested in growing your wealth. This is a must. In our brand new tax strategy masterclass, I have hand-selected and shared the details of the 28 most valuable strategies to help you increase your tax savings this year and for years to come. Plus, if you want to hire a top-tier tax strategist, it can easily set you back tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And you want to make sure that you have the best, most accurate information to ensure that you're hiring the right person for you. That's why we included a whole section with advice, resources, and multiple interviews with my personal tax specialists to help you build a bulletproof tax team, but for a fraction of the cost. The entire tax strategy masterclass was designed for people like you who want to keep more of their hard-earned money without having to sift through the complicated tax code. If you're interested, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax to learn more about the course or set up a free consultation call with our team at lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax. Do you want to invest in lifestyle investor deals? Save more on taxes? Find like-minded and highly successful people to spend time with and to learn from? Apply to join the world's most exclusive mastermind that turns everyday people into savvy investors. You'll get access to private deals that are not available to the public. These deals have been sourced by me personally and de-risked through preferred investment terms, giving you an unfair advantage that most people just don't get. To learn more and apply, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash mastermind. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today is a major milestone for the podcast as we've reached 100 episodes. And to celebrate, I'm speaking with the one and only Brandon Turner. 
Brandon Turner is widely regarded as one of the top authorities in the world on real estate investing. He's the best-selling author of several real estate books with over 1 million copies sold and is the former host of Bigger Pockets, the number one real estate investing podcast with over 100 million downloads. Brandon is also the founder and managing member of Open Door Capital, a private real estate investment firm that helps clients achieve superior risk-adjusted returns through the acquisition of value-add assets nationwide. In this episode, Brandon shares how he got started as a real estate investor and went from buying his first single-family home to buying a real estate empire comprising of 7,400 units and $650 million in assets under management. We discuss the process for buying real estate with no money down, how to leverage the power of who, not how, to scale your business, why Brandon made the difficult decision to leave bigger pockets, and the most powerful question you can ask to achieve extraordinary levels of success in business and life. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Brandon has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. He's giving away his ebook. How the Rich Pay No Income Tax, which outlines several tax strategies that you can legally use to reduce or even eliminate your tax bill. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 100. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Brandon Turner. All right. What's up, Brandon? So glad to have you on the show today. Dude, this is amazing. I have honestly been looking forward to this show more than probably any other podcast I have ever done. I'm not even kidding. Like, since the first time I met you, I'm like, dude, I need to do that show. So this is a dream come true. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for the kind words. I, uh, I, I'm just as excited to have you on the show because you have done so much cool stuff that I want, you know, I want my network to know about. And then you're just a great human being. I, I just had the, the luxury, the privilege of spending four days with you at Cloud Camp, which is, for those that are unfamiliar, it is the Broadmoor. So the Broadmoor is like the longest running five-star, five-diamond resort uh, in the U.S. I mean, this thing has been running consistently for like, I don't know, I think since the 50s or something, like 1955 or 1956. So it's like the most highly acclaimed resort in the U.S. and, and one of the most highly acclaimed resorts in the world. And so they, they have this property so that's at 7,000 elevation. If you go up the mountain that is right behind the Broadmoor, you go up another 2,000 uh, feet elevation and you're at another property called Cloud Camp. So it's 9,000 elevation and just incredible, just beautiful. And uh, Brandon, you and I had the, the privilege of joining as founding members for a really special group called the Wellspring. And uh, I'm just, I'm excited about that and excited about all the cool stuff we're going to do in the world. Yeah, man, that was, uh, that was quite the epic uh, adventure. It was like going back to like church camp as a kid, but like for grownups who are highly successful, but uh, yeah, what a crazy coincidence too, about like, like you, we, you and I hadn't texted for, I don't know, a couple months at least. Right. And then you text me. We were chatting about this podcast about bringing it back like that day. And then I'm like, where, you know, what are you up to these days? I'm like, Oh, I'm in Colorado in the mountains for a retreat. And I'm like, I'm in Colorado in the mountains for a retreat. And like two hours later, we're hanging out together. Like what a crazy set of coincidences. And that kind of thing happened so many times over the past week. Like it just, it blows my mind the number of connections and coincidences that happened over the past week. It, it's mind, mind blowing. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. 
There, there's no doubt and so much synergy and I'm just excited about the future. I'm excited to be, you know, hanging and partnering more with you. And for anyone who's unaware, like this group, I mean, we made a huge commitment as a community that we're going to donate over a billion dollars. All right. And what was great is as we were talking about a billion dollars, you know, you were like, wait a minute, I think a billion's too low. Like we're we're thinking too small. You're like, it should be many billions of dollars. And I just love that we're part of something with big thinkers and with people that are so generous with the resources that we can help solve or at least support and come alongside a lot of people, organizations, situations that need the help. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like the reason I I, I pushed Pete on the billions thing is because I'm like, well, there were many in that room of 55 people. I would say a good chunk of them will be likely billionaires someday. Like when you're young and you're like, you're, you know, 20s or 30s or even like 40s and you have the knowledge of how to build wealth and how to grow wealth and how to multiply wealth, like the next 40 years, like many people will end up compounding that into billions of dollars. And I'm like, most of us are going to give most of it away. And so I'm like, there's almost no chance in my mind that we're not giving billions and billions in our lifetime away. So it's a, it's a cool group to be part of. Yeah. So cool. I'm so glad that Pete Vargas started it and you know, what a great guy he is. So I'm just thrilled. And to have the opportunity to hang with Tim Tebow was just incredible. I mean, that guy is on fire. He is doing so many great things to save and, and help people, um, specifically in the human trafficking realm. Uh, I'm just impressed with the, the Tim Tebow Foundation, the 28 partners that they have for all the different locations all across the globe where they're primarily saving women from sex trafficking, which is such a shame, but the work they're doing is incredible. And I just feel blessed to be part of that. And what a cool experience where like in, in a, in like an hour's time, we hear, we hear Tim, you know, speak about what he's doing and uh, just the invitation. This was totally unscripted, just the invitation for us to show up and donate to his charity. And, you know, in an hour, we raised as a group over $1.7 million to donate to his foundation. It was just incredible. And he was speechless. I mean, he was in tears. It was so cool. Yeah. You know, when I look back at my life, I, I, I tend to when I'm on podcasts and stuff or I'm talking about my story, I talk about the three phases of my career, which kind of I can bucket the three phases, which was like phase one was all about like me and my wife together building our re- rental portfolio, right? Like she's working at Starbucks. I'm working at a bank and Cold Stone Creamery for a while. And like we built our whole rental portfolio up to like 30 some units, right? Then the second phase was like my Bigger Pockets years, right? Where I went and started the Bigger Pockets podcast with Josh Dorkin, who owned Bigger Pockets. And we grew that thing to one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And it was amazing. And I learned so much about business and, and stuff. I didn't do a lot with the small real estate, just a few flips and rentals here and there. And then like the third phase kind of morphed into this, like, I'm going to build a commercial, like a commercial real estate empire. I'm going to buy thousands of units. I'm going to raise money. And now over the past three years, I've done that. We've bought $650 million of real estate and raised money from like 1300 people. And yeah, raised $250 million so far just for this real estate. So that was like phase one, two, and three. And I assumed in my life that phase three was like the ending phase of my life. Like that, I mean, that would carry me on till billionaire status or whatever I'm going to go to. And what happened on Friday night with Tim Tebow in that speech is I realized like I entered a fourth phase, like something I didn't expect. 
And like, so I mean, I use the word sparingly, but it truly was life changing. And that I will look back 30 years from now and say that was the night that my life took entered phase four and took a different, different position. And it's all about that change of significance. And what are we doing with our time uh, and with our money and with our energy? And so, yeah, I'm super, super fired up right now about kind of phase four. And it doesn't mean phase three is over or even phase two or one. It's just, it's a addition of a new phase in life. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. And, and we need these new phases that we can get excited about, like the way you were once excited about phase one. And you and I had a really a funny conversation about that because you're like, you know, my, my wife and I, we worked so hard to build these. And, you know, like that was the beginning. And now I kind of don't care about it because I got all these other things. And it's funny because I'm the same way. Phase one for, for Jennifer and I was we were building our portfolio. And, uh, and I'm the same way where it's like, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't have the meaning that it had before. It doesn't. That was so great in the season that I was in and in the season of, never having done this before. And I'm so thankful for that. But what it did was it opened up a door for me, and I assume you too, to think bigger, to learn, to uh, figure out the next thing that could capture our passion and enthusiasm. And so what's cool about this phase four you're talking about, where you're giving and you're giving of your resources, your time, it's engaging the passion side of things, but also the compassion side of things. And it gets you to a point for me, at least where I wasn't just giving, I was joyfully giving, like I was so happy to give. And it makes me want to partner up. And Tim was so cool. You know, he invited me to Jacksonville to come hang out with him some more, meet his team, spend a day with them. And like, that's a guy I just want to come alongside and and partner with. And and I just see him continuing to do great things. He already has. And I think more is to come. And I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that movement. That inspires me. Totally the same. Yeah, it was a uh... Yeah, it was a night I'll never forget. So I'm glad I was with you for that one. That was a, that sparks a whole new level of like brotherhood, right? When you're with people in those life changing moments, like, you know, none of us will forget that. And it, it forged some bonds that uh, I don't think could ever be broken. So yeah, that's right. And the, we were together. Totally. And the conversation you and I had directly after that, even just talking about what our businesses mean and, and what that income really can stand for and what, how much of it do we need versus how much of it can we give beyond ourselves and not consume? And I've been, you know, for me, I've been a huge proponent of like, I feel very blessed in the fact that I've got real estate. I've got private equity. I've got senior secured debt. I've got all kinds of investments that cover my lifestyle. So everything that comes in from lifestyle investor is just above and beyond. And so, um, for me, I've lived in a place where I haven't haven't like spent any of the money of lifestyle investor. Like to me, this is all a gift and and I don't need it. I don't need it for consumption. Um, so, you know, every dollar of lifestyle investor has either gone to some charity or going, gone, it's gone to some investment, some entrepreneur. It's gone somewhere other than the Donald family consumption. And the, the things you and I talked about, uh, about what this could look like in the future and, and what the business arms that we operate in could produce for you know others i think it's just powerful i'm excited about it man i'm my world is upside down i spent three hours last night talking to my wife in bed just like explaining like where my heart's at and where we're headed and uh yeah man it's gonna be exciting 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let, let's get back to the beginning. All right. You started from humble beginnings and you and your wife, you know, really had to kind of scrape by in the early days. So how did you get into investing? How did you start in your real estate, you know, pursuit? And like, was there something, was there a tipping point? Was there something you did before where you're like, this just isn't cutting it? I need more. I need better. I need different. What what was that? I'd love to go through these phases. You know, we just talked about phase four. Let's let's talk about phase one, two, and three. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, so yeah, it started with John Grisham. I'll, I'll start there. Uh, the Firm, the book, The Firm from John Grisham, right? Fiction book, but a lawyer who you know goes and works for the mob. Tom Cruise played him in a movie, but uh, to play the the character. But it started there because I was I was you know I went to college. I met my wife in college. Went graduated college. Trying to figure out what to do next. I got a history degree. And like the only thing you can do with a history degree is like either be a teacher, be a lawyer, or be homeless. And so like those are like the three options you have. So I'm like, I guess I'll be a lawyer. Uh, they make money. And so I started, t- I took the LSAT. Uh, I started studying for law school, trying to apply for law school. And I bought a house in the meantime, just like a simple little cheap, crappy fixer upper house because it was 2007. They were giving mortgages to anybody who just breathed. Like if you had a breath, you could get a mortgage. So I'm like, well, I guess it's cheaper than renting. So I'll buy this crappy house. And I rented out the bedrooms to a a bunch of buddies. And I read The Firm. And it's a fiction book, but he makes this point in every one of John Grisham's books, but especially like about how horrible life is for uh for an attorney like they go through like four or five wives and they work 100 hours a week just to get partner when they're 60 years old and then they work 80 hours a week until they die and when they die they are the richest person in that graveyard like they were you know they rolled in there on a rolls royce right but and he makes this kind of like tongue-in-cheek kind of like story about every lawyer in those books how horrible their life is and the more i thought about that it impacted me at this deep level like you know, maybe it's a little bit exaggerated, but probably not that far. They work a ton of hours. And I, my, in my soul, something was like, that's not the way life was meant to be lived. Like there's more to life than working in a cubicle until you're, you know, too old to have fun in life. And around that time, you know, I, I bought that first house and I sold it. Um, I, my wife and I like wanted to go travel. And so we sold the house just thinking we'd go travel Europe for a while, which we didn't because we sold it and made 20 grand which actually just paid for the wedding, but we, we sold it, paid, made 20 grand. And I was like, well, shoot, I just made 20 grand out of thin air. Now, granted, I've put in a lot of work to fix that house up, but basically I, I invented $20,000 out of nothing. And I was like, this is way better than law school. And if I could do it once, couldn't I buy several houses and flip them every year and make more than a lawyer? And then I started like uh, some, actually the bully from high school, like in middle school, high school, the guy who like bullied me the most of anybody in middle school. I mean, throwing my books down in the hallway, making fun of me my entire school career. This is now like you know four years after school gets out. He messages me on Facebook. He's like, hey man, I thought you bought a house. You ever heard of that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I'm like, no. He's like, yeah, check it out. It's life-changing. So ironically, the guy that I disliked the most in my entire life, like back then, led me to this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which it was the opposite of the firm, right? The firm was like, my soul was like, do not do that. And then Rich Dad, Poor Dad was like, that's what I was thinking makes more sense. Like that you can buy assets and then over time they get better and you get more money and you have freedom to do what you want to do in life. And it blew my mind and it put words to that groaning in my soul that there was more to life than what the firm was offering. And uh, I jumped in with both feet. I called my parents. I'm like, I'm not going to law school anymore. I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to be a real estate investor. And um, my dad was like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> you know how many people lose money in real estate? And 
yeah, it started that way. I started buying rentals, just duplexes. I bought a duplex. I lived in half of it, rented their half out. I lived in a yeah, 400 square foot side of a duplex in the alley in this terrible location and uh, got to live for free. And it just fired me up, man. And just a little set me going on that kind of first phase. Yeah. And it's great because in that moment, I think we're always comparing now to what was, you know, you know, we had referenced the gap in the game uh, before a re- really good book where it's easy to focus on what you don't have and what the gap is, but it's sometimes hard to remember where you came from the gain that you've had. And so that's a great instance where it's like, look at your excitement for that 400 square foot you know, room because you saw what was coming and you saw where you were compared to before. You've got rental income uh, coming in, yeah, covering the place. And yeah, that's so cool. So so how many units did you guys, did you and your wife buy as you were, you know, kind of I guess before you entered this next stage of bigger pockets and like how did how did that even come about? Yeah. So we, we had roughly 32 units. I think when I, when I quit my job and obtained financial freedom, I like, when I say that it was like, I like to call it like level, there's like three levels of financial freedom. I generally say the first one is like, you can quit your job. The second one is like, you can like buy a jet. And like the third one is like, you can buy the New York jets, right? There's like, these like three levels, right? There's like, I can pay my bills. I'm rich. And then I'm absurdly rich. Right. So I like, this is just phase one, right? I'm making like three to $4,000 a month in profit in there. I bought a 24 unit. The thing that put me over the edge was I bought like a duplex then a triplex and a couple of houses. And then I bought a 24 unit with seller financing. So I didn't have to like get a loan on it. They carried the contract, which means the, the I didn't have to like come up with a big down payment. I didn't have to get you know, any of that. It was, it was like a very much like a God thing. Like in that, like, like literally I was at church talking to this old couple and they knew I was interested in real estate. So like, they would kind of talk to me a little bit about real estate once in a while. Like, you know, and ask me how I'm doing with my houses. And one, the guy even is the first guy ever when I bought my first house who showed me how to paint uh, with a paint sprayer. He came over and showed me how to use a paint sprayer. I had no idea they were in real estate. So I mentioned them. I'm like, yeah, I just read this amazing book yesterday called The ABCs of Real Estate Investing. And it's by a guy named Ken McElroy. And it's all about buying apartment complexes. And I want to buy an apartment complex someday. I'm fired up about apartment complexes. And they looked at each other. They looked at me. And they were like, huh, that's interesting because we actually have an apartment that we want to sell. I mean, that's how that came about. It was it wow. in church at like the awkward, you know, greet your person next to you kind of moment at church, like in the middle of the uh, church, like they 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 had an apartment they wanted to sell. So they actually carried the contract. They helped me figure out how to do it. They mentored me into owning that property. And then that got me over the the number that I needed to be able to quit my job. At, at that time, I was at a bank, a terrible job at a bank. So I quit the job, fixed up that 24 unit. And then at 27, I was like, I'm done. I got all I ever need in life. Uh, I quit. And uh, I sat on the couch and watched like, I don't know, Law and Order for six months. <laughs> it was like, wow. The end, yeah, that, that's where phase one kind of uh, it didn't end because I kept buying units once in a while after that. But that was, uh, yeah, that's where the transition happened at phase two. You want me to go into that? Well, real quick. So did you not have to put any money down for that 24 unit? Here's how this worked. I love this. It was such a creative strategy. So here's what happened. So they didn't need a down payment. What they wanted was to travel. They wanted to get an RV. They were 75 years old. They want to travel around the country in an RV and go south for the winter and that kind of stuff. But they couldn't do it because they had this apartment complex that was driving them crazy. And they had to deal with all the problems. And they had sold it once before for like 10 years. And it just, the guy who had bought it from them, like on seller finance, he just drove it into the ground. So 
I was solving their problem, right? Somebody they trusted, they'd seen me do years and years of hard of like hard work in the industry, which is such a powerful lesson, right? It's like the whole like you don't know who in your future is watching you today and watching how you do things. It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. They were watching me for five, six years like build up a reputation as somebody who does what they say they're going to do, somebody who takes action, right? So it like I didn't even know that, that they were watching me and and that something was being orchestrated here. But uh, so then all they needed, they didn't have a lot of money either, but all they needed was enough to cover the closing costs, like to pay the county, the taxes, whatever. And it was like ten or $15,000. Well, I didn't have that. I, I mean, I didn't have anything. And so what they, we basically agreed to, and this was like their idea. They said, well, why don't we just do a lease option? So like a rent to own situation, a triple net lease option where you take over everything like right now, and this is like six months after us, we started talking, it took about six months to nine months to actually pull it all together. But you take over the whole property right now, you get all the income that comes in, it's all yours, and then you pay all the expenses. But we're not actually selling it to you, you just you are the, having a master lease over the whole thing. So that's what we did. And then they also agreed to a, what they call the, I don't even know if it's the terminology, but a step-up mortgage. So in other words, they said, you know, the mortgage payment is gonna be like $4,500 a month, whatever it was. But they they knew that the property couldn't, handle that even at the time because half the units were vacant. And so they let me pay a thousand dollars a month for the first year. And then it was $2,000 a month for the second year. And then 3000 for the third year. And they let me step it up slowly so that it would actually cash flow. I took all that cash flow, saved it up for whatever, nine months, six months, whatever. And once I had the $10,000 needed for the down payment, I then gave them that. So they let me build the down payment out of the rent that came in, the profit that came in that I was working to get as I fixed up units. And uh, yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool kind of mentor, mentee kind of a situation. And both of us had our problems solved. They got to then travel. They went and took their RV, went around the country and I took care of their property for them, eventually became my property. And that led me to level one financial freedom. So this is such a great example. I love that, Brandon. You know, first and foremost, for those of you watching or listening, uh, it's important to realize that these people are out there. You know, I talk about in my book, The Lifestyle Investor, the fact that you can get deals done with no money down, right? I, I've done several of these deals. I've had some really cool opportunities. Most of the time, you got to put money down, but for the right deal, for the right situation, I think that's great. The second thing is most of the time, the needs that people want met are different. So we, when you're in a negotiation, right, it's it's important to ask questions and get clarity about what someone else wants. Because if you can solve for them, you can make it very advantageous for you. And so you are able to do that. Um, third point I'll make is a lease option is a great way to buy, especially if you're going to buy something that's like, way like this is this is a super turnaround you uh so that way like if you had to walk away you could walk away if it's like too heavy of a lift but you have the right to buy it and the terms you know you can you can work your initial payments in uh as part of it i mean there's all kinds of ways to structure it but the bottom line is you're in first position to buy this property so if you can in fact turn it around it's yours and so it's it's a brilliant strategy that i don't see happening very often yeah the the lease option thing is not super common i mean lately a lot of guys have been talking about the seller financing thing pace morby is uh, uh internet uh kind of celebrities at a tv show but he's really pushing this movement of the seller of subject to sorry subject to which is a different strategy similar to lease options but but yeah lease options are still i think one of the most underrated 
powerful tactics out there, especially if you, you can do what's called like a lease option sandwich is where like you rent a property from somebody, then you re-rent it out to somebody else and you get a lease option on the front and on the back and you're the middleman. There's there's some cool stuff there. One more piece of creative strategy I used on that. There's actually multiple strategies I used to pull this off, which is a lesson in itself. It's rarely in the world of no money down real estate. It's rarely one strategy. So here I am buying this property, right? But I'm 20, whatever, I'm 25 years old or something like that at the time. And I didn't have the money to fix it up. Like, where am I going to come up with all the money to fix it up? So I went to actually my parents and I said, Hey, do you guys want to partner on a real estate deal? I said, I just need access to about $50,000 in a line of credit that they had on their house. They just had a home equity line of credit. So I borrowed like 50 K off that line of credit. And I said, someday I will give you 50% of the profits of whatever I make on this property. Now, it could have been my parents. It could have been almost anybody. It was a pretty stupid good deal for them because they get 50% of a deal off no money. It's just off a line of credit that they had. But they had to trust me, right? I'm a 25-year-old kid. Like they, they should get paid for that. Uh, so it was really fun a few years later to be able to give them a check for a couple hundred thousand dollars and say, thank you for trusting me You know, seven years ago uh, when I sold that property for a lot more than I bought it for. So that was... a. Uh, that was a cool thing. I actually, uh, so if anybody wants, like, I don't, I don't make any money out of this because I think it's only 99 cents and Amazon takes 70% of it. But, uh, there's an ebook I wrote years ago when I was in bigger pockets. I wrote it as a blog post. It's called How I Bought a 24 Unit for Almost No Money Down. Uh, I wrote it as a blog post, but then I found out Kindle had this thing called like shorts, like Kindle shorts, and I wanted to test it out. So I threw it on Kindle. So I think it's 99 cents. It might even be free on Kindle, but just look for my name and you'll find it. It's like a way more detailed maybe five or 10,000 words explanation of what that, of how I pulled off that property, all the details. So if you're interested in that story, it's it's kind of a fun story. That's cool. Absolutely love that. Yeah. So question for you. All right. So you now have financial freedom or level one of your financial freedom. How did uh, Bigger Pockets come about? What did that look like? Yeah. So bigger pockets started years earlier. Remember earlier I said, you know, my dad thought I was kind of crazy for going into real estate. I remember the words he said, he said, what are you going to do if tenants don't pay rent? Like if you don't have a job and tenants don't pay rent, you're going to not have any money to pay the bills. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Oh, you know, Trump card. Oh man, I'm done. So I you know I go to the internet and I'm like, type into like Google or Dogpile or whatever the search engine one was at the time, Alta Vista maybe. And I'm like, what to do when tenants don't pay rent? And this little forum, this little forum out there comes up called Bigger Pockets. And there was a small little site, really super, super ugly, uh, of just people talking about real estate in a forum, just talking to each other. And the forum topic was what to do when tenants don't pay rent. And there was like this long like post all about what some landlord does when tenants don't pay rent. And like, it wasn't even the content of what he wrote there that mattered. What mattered was it was, the, I, I saw that there were answers to the negativity that people have about almost anything in life, right? Like especially real estate. I was like, like even people listening to the show right now are probably going, yeah, Brandon, but what about this, right? Everyone's got like a gotcha when it comes to real estate or when it comes to any business, right? But the truth is like, the more you get into these industries, whatever it is, like there's always answers to the gotchas. You know, I've got them from I'm like, yeah, well, Bitcoin is blah, blah, blah. And somebody who knows Bitcoin would look at me and go, yeah, but, and they'd give me a really good explanation. I'd be like, oh, you're right. Right. So anyway, it taught me that there are answers to the problems uh, and that, that it's still doable. So I was a bigger pockets member, just like a free member on the forum before it was a blog, long before it was a podcast, before it was anything. It was just a little forum. I was a member, one of the earliest members of that community. And so I just kind of use that. You can go back to my old forum post. You can see like, hey, guys, I'm thinking about buying a 24 unit. I got some couple from church wanting to sell to me. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm asking all these the, the newbie questions. So the point is I came from within the community. And then 
uh, when I was sitting on that couch for a few months, bored to death, watching Law and Order every day, I decided like, well, three grand a month is nice to pay my bills, but it's not really enough to go and, you know, have a jet or travel the world or anything. Right. So I'm like, how do I make more money? So I remember like downloading a bunch of like ebooks online on like how to make money and how to make money online and how does, you know, day trading work and all that stuff. And Internet marketing just appealed to me. The idea of like making money on the internet and blogging and forums and like that whole world of internet marketing really appealed to me. So I started a little blog called Real Estate in Your 20s. It was just like, hey, this is how I in my 20s built up a small portfolio and got financial freedom. And I started writing blog posts. No idea what I was doing. Didn't know how to really write blog posts, anything like that. But to grow a blog back in the day, and maybe it's still true today, but not as much, you would go and post on other people's blogs. You would guest post, similar to the way that I go on your podcast today. And then some people might come and listen to my stuff because they heard me on your podcast. That's what you do in the blog world. So I went and posted, and I asked Josh Dorkin, who had founded this Bigger Pockets, if I could post on their blog. And so he let me. Once a week, I would post an article on his blog, and then some people would come back. Well, that led to me being Facebook friends with Josh which led to one day him writing, hey, I'm looking for someone to help me edit blog posts. Anybody got free time that wants to make a little money? And I'm like, I'll do it. Like I can edit blog posts. And the, the thing was not true at all. I was terrible at spelling and grammar and, and <laughs> writing and all that. But he uh, he allowed me to come in and help him. And that's where Bigger Pockets started, like the, the next phase of BP, which was a few months later, found that like me and, I mean, me and Josh in the beginning there, we just, we meshed so well. We were working... We were so excited about what we were doing. We were working 15, 16 hour days every day. Like wow. our, our wives were just thinking it was crazy because we were just so in love with what we were building. And we started the podcast then. And it just, I, I remember our goal was to be within, I think it was within two years. I wanted to be in the top 100 of business podcasts. And the first day we were number six and we never in nine years have never dropped below number 15 of the biggest business podcast. For most of that time, we were number two or number three. It was like Dave Ramsey, us. Uh, so that took off in a way that I could have never expected. And I watched and I kind of helped bigger pockets grow from, you know, a one man operation, Josh to today, they're a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business uh, that will be a billion dollar business if they're not there already. And it was, I got to be along for that entire ride, which was amazing amazing that is so cool i mean I, I love that story and i love the fact that you were just open to whatever hey i don't even know how to do this but i'll figure it out this is an opportunity that i want to take these are people that i want to rub elbows with you know and that's powerful and here's here's a cool lesson i can pull off for anybody listening like i could not or maybe i could but i would not have taken that risk to join some little startup with one person with no guarantee of future income had i not already had obtained financial freedom that That's first right. level yeah. right i was able to take that risk because i had level 1 now level 1 didn't is not going it was not going to make me millions and millions of dollars in my life maybe if i would have kept those properties forever they would have but like that was simply the, the stepping stone needed to get to the second level. And the second level was a, or the phase was the stepping stone I needed to get to the third. And interesting enough, the third now is what's going to get me into the fourth. So, you know, just like we talked about earlier, like those phases are not for nothing, but they get you to the next level. So anyway, it's just interesting to look back on that to see like, I could not have done that. So if there's any reason to do like to obtain financial freedom and to put the work in to get it, it's for the opportunities that it will allow you once you have it, because you can take risk. You can take those chances on a long shot that may pay off a hundredfold. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the lifestyle investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. 
I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate, meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash MHP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, join me in my mobile home park masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. So true. Once you buy your time back, you've opened up so many additional doors and paths that you can take. And so that's why I really encourage everyone to like, whatever you do, don't get lost in the allure of investing in the stock market with the vast majority of your assets over, you know, the life you're supposed to, the life of your investment till you retire, you're supposed to make, you know, 10% return on average, which by the way, it doesn't really work out to that. Or even these long-term investments, maybe like super high risk angel investments uh, in a seed round, or maybe it's venture capital, venture investing, which is like 10 years before you're going to find out what happens. And so I think it's just really important for the, the beginning of the investment dollars to actually produce some utility today, that it cash flows, that it buys your time back. Because the moment you own your time, that's yeah. when all these other doors open. And it's it's incredible. And I, I love your story. For the record, I can't remember if Bigger Pockets was the first podcast I ever got into or the second podcast. So it was either how I built this uh, or Bigger Pockets. Those are my one and two podcasts. I can't remember which was which, but I used to listen to those all the time. Uh, and so, you know, as I was like getting into real estate, you know, bigger pockets was really helpful for that. And as I was scaling, starting and scaling a business, how I built this was really helpful for that. And so I switched from listening to music to listening to podcasts and, and feeding myself, giving, you know, going for education over, you know, just random pleasure or enjoyment. And that really served me well because I consistently fed myself and and allowed myself to be in a space where I didn't know it all. I have a lot to learn. And every day I want to learn more. I don't just want to like go to school when I'm in college. 
I want to be in school every day of my life, the rest of my life, because I just I choose to be curious and I choose to recognize that there's always someone who knows more than me in some area. And I would like to learn what they know. That's so good, man. Yeah, there's that lifelong learning, that that drive to know more and educate yourself. Like that's what makes people successful, wealthy, better parents, better, you know, like better, you know, spouses. Like it's the edu it's the never stop learning uh component. And I see that in you. And I didn't know that about you in bigger pockets. I had, I had no idea you were a listener back in the day. So that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, really fun, really fun. So it's it's cool kind of going full circle and meeting people that you maybe heard of or heard about. And at that point in time, I didn't really connect anyone to anyone. It was just like, these guys are feeding me with information that I want to hear and I want to learn. So uh, re- really special. So you scaled bigger pockets. This is like, it becomes one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And you then leave. So why leave? And what did that exit package look like? I mean, this had to have been at least a pretty decent exit. And you don't have to get I mean, you could be as general, vague or or detailed as you want. I'm just curious on whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, sure, man. I love for a, a number of reasons. And and we can talk about I mean, I'm, I'm really open about all this. I love for a number of reasons. One, I have two kids now. Uh, and I was noticing this trend that I was spending way more time in my office on podcasts and on meetings and all that than I was with my kids. And I didn't like, I mean, the reason I got into real estate in the very beginning was because I wanted to someday have kids and be there for every dance recital, every ball game, every ballerina thing, every field trip, whatever. And I, I started missing them. Like now that I actually did have kids, I started like my daughter would go off to her dance class and I'd be like, Hey, sorry, honey, I can't go. I got a podcast. I realized like the very reason I got into real estate, I was now like, you know, there's that passage in the Bible that says like, uh, it's talking about the sower and the seed. And there's like the whole analogy Jesus gives about like seed that lands on the road and a bird snatches it away. It's basically like, what do you do with information when you hear it? Um, like the gospel, but they say like something about like the, the seed lands in the weeds and then like the weeds grow up and choke out the seed. So it never grows. And he says, that's the deceit or the, the, the it chokes out from the wealth of the world, though. Like the wealth of life chokes out like your mission, essentially like the deceitfulness of wealth. And I feel like almost like that's what I was noticing. It's like this drive for more and bigger and, and scale it was choking out my purpose, what I was meant to do, which was to be a father first, you know, be a father and a husband first and foremost. So that was the one reason. Now, I, normally in business, I could have found ways out. Like, for example, it wasn't like, I mean, I had started building Open Door Capital, which is my real estate company, which by the way, for everyone listening, it's not the same as Open Door, uh, which came a few years. I actually had the name first and then Open Door is this big billion dollar company that's struggling right now. So like I keep getting articles in the news about Open Door, like getting sued from the SEC. And I'm like, that's not me. Trust me, that's not me. But anyway, different. that's a whole different thing. But I, I started building that. But here's the difference. I didn't own bigger pockets. I have some equity in there, not a lot, but I have some equity in bigger pockets. But that was a that's Josh's thing, right? And then Josh sold to some private equity company, a big chunk of it to private equity, and that's their company now. So I didn't have ultimate say. I was the face of it, but I didn't have ultimate say. And so unlike Open Door Capital, which I could build without me being in it, I couldn't bid, build bigger pockets without being in it because it wasn't mine. Like imagine me calling up a private equity firm and be like, hey guys, uh, I know you're trying to grow this into a billion dollar company, but I'm going to only work five hours a week now. So uh, I'm going to hire a bunch of people <laughs> under me that are going to like, they're like, no, you're, you're, you're building this for us. So we only have to work five hours a week. Right. So that was a big component too, is like my identity as a leader and uh, as a visionary didn't have a role in bigger pockets because they already have a visionary and a leader. So like there was, there was that. So the family thing, that thing, and uh, 
Yeah, really. Uh, the last thing was I have a performance coach. His name is Jason Drees. I've been working with him for five or six years now. I love the guy. And I met he asked him. Me, he asked a lot I met of- him at one of your at that really cool dinner that you threw with your your crew from Maui that came in and just cooked this epic meal. We should talk about that next. But yeah, talk about. Oh Jason. yeah, that was that was a really good night. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we can talk about that for sure. That was a cool night. Uh, something I want to do more of in life. But um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, the last the last reason why like I, I left. I had this performance coach Jason Drees. And Jason said to me, Brandon, to get to the next level that you want to be at in life, what do you need to let go of? And that question kind of like rocked me. And I thought about it for a long time. And like to be the next level of fatherhood, the next level of my fitness, the next level of my business of Open Door Capital, as a leader of Open Door Capital, like with my team, what do I need to let go of? And the answer I came up with was I need to let go of the identity that's connected to bigger pockets. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like oh, bigger pockets entirely. Like I still love them and I want them to succeed and I still have equity uh, in there. Like I still have my equity inside of uh, bigger pockets, but I needed to tear that identity away. And I couldn't do that. Like, and I knew that this was like a year, uh, a year before I actually left. He asked that question and I knew I needed to, to really get to the next level of my business. I needed to let bigger pockets go, but I couldn't do it because I just could not tear my identity. It was like a cloth that's been sewn to another cloth. And it's just, it's hard to see where one part ends and another goes. But what happened then is back in like November, Jason asked me, I was like stressed out about something. And he said, it sounds like you just need to take like a month off. Like just a one month sabbatical is the word he used. A one month sabbatical. Like, you know, you're right. Like I'd never taken a time off the podcast. I missed like one episode ever. And that was when I went on a cruise one time and they had to get an episode out. But like I did not miss an episode because I I'm not somebody who misses episodes. Like I I show up. I'm a big believer in that, right? So I was like, fine, I'm gonna take a month off. And what that did is it tore that cloth that was so connected. It tore it just an inch. Like just an inch. I didn't separate a ton. I just undid the thread that connected it. So I was an inch apart. And it allowed me to see myself as separate from bigger pockets as it tore that identity a little bit. And within 24 hours, I had committed to leaving entirely because I just needed that little bit. I could not go from Brandon and bigger pockets as one to Brandon completely on his own. I couldn't do that, but I could do an inch. And then from there I could do more. So the last thing I guess I pull out at is people listening, maybe, maybe are in the similar spot. They've got a job that they really feel connected to, but they don't like, they don't want anymore. Maybe they don't even need anymore, but they have that like identity is tore into it. So I, it was like that little stepping stone or that little thing of just taking a month off was enough for me to rip the identity apart so then I could leave entirely. Oh, it's awesome. And it, and it took a powerful question to get you there, right? So uh, what is it that you need to give up to, to get to where you want to be or what's holding you back? What's the thing you need to get that you need to give up in order to become you know, who you want to be or that's holding you back from who you want to be as a father, entrepreneur, husband? I mean, that's a powerful question. And I think if we ask ourselves the right questions, we're very wise, like all of us into it. We, you know, we have this intuition, but we often don't slow down. Uh, and so it's like, you know, autopilot one thing after the next. It's, it's not a life by design. It's a life by default. It's just literally one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, not even building the time to think and plan and be intentional. And I've been, by the way, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I share this because I know it. I've lived it. And everything changed for me when I created that space and that time. And I created it before I got to financial freedom. That's what helped me 
gain financial freedom. And then once I had financial freedom, it allowed me to take it many layers uh, deeper or to go many levels higher from the standpoint of, you know, surplus income. So I love that story. And you said something before that I just I want to make sure people catch, uh, which is this. And by the way, I hope everyone asks themselves that question that your coach Jason asked you, you know, just write it down. Pause this right now and ask yourself that question. What is it? What's something you need to give up to get to where you want to be right now? But the other thing that you said is, and I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to say it actually a little bit differently. I'm not even going to paraphrase. A lot of people invest in real estate for financial freedom, but they end up building themselves into a job. So they basically want, they pursued whatever passive investments, cash flow, whatever for this freedom, but they buy enough of it. And then the real estate owns them. And I think you've got to be really careful there that you're not buying yourself another job. And and a lot of people, I see them buying businesses because the opportunity is so great, but in order to get to where you need to be, it's like a job all over again. So I, I just think I want to caution people to be careful about buying another job, but at the same time, make moves that get you into a better situation and position than you are today. And so even if you short-term need to work more or need to transition your time, I think it's okay if there's a plan long-term to get out of it. The way that I did that is two, is really two things. And maybe this isn't true for everybody, but this is how I got, like, and what I couldn't do at Bigger Pockets and I could do on my own. And that's leadership and scale. In other words, like the answer to working less and having more freedom in my life was leadership and scale. And what I mean by that is like, I needed to lead and not do. I needed the who, not how. So when I built Open Door Capital, I started with that end in mind. Uh, and actually, there's a great little story I'll tell real quick. So when Bigger Pockets sold part, like Josh sold part of Bigger Pockets to private equity, there's this guy named Mike who ended up being chairman of the board. He was like an outside guy that just does this for a living. He's chairman of a lot of boards. And been in real, I mean, been in business for 50 years, very smart dude. Like he's been around, he understands business, right? And so the first day at Bigger Pockets were like when he, we had our meeting with the private equity team, he's there and we're telling him all the things we got. We got this many developers, we're going to do this with it. We got this much cash in the account, we're going to do this with it. We got this many marketing people, we're going to do this with it. And after a little while, he holds up his hand and he says, guys, guys, just stop telling me what you have and what you're going to do with it. He said, tell me what's possible and what you need to get there. We're just going to give it to you. Like that's it. And it blew my mind. I don't know why I never thought that way before. I'm always like, this is what I got. What can I build with it? And I, I was like, it's a different mindset. So I didn't even apply to the bigger pockets. I'd sit there and apply it to my real estate. I was like, what's possible? And I said, $50 million of real estate is possible. That's huge. I could buy $50 million of real estate in three years. And I set this goal for myself. And I said, what do I need to get there? So that I'm not the one getting me there. Like, what do I need to build? What machine do I need to have built? And I built from the top down. I hired a, my, my buddy as like basically CEO, essentially. And he then hired some VPs who then brought in some more people. And with we had five or six people on the team. Like, what do you need to build a $50 million portfolio? You need an analysis guy, like an underwriter. You need somebody who's good at like finding deals. You need somebody who can run the whole operation. You need somebody in charge of asset management. Right, you need maybe a bookkeeper, somebody to handle the money side of it, and maybe an investor relations guy to handle, a, like, uh, talking to investors about raising the money. And if you have that, could that give me to fifty million dollars? Well, it got me to three hundred million dollars in the same time frame. I said fifty million, we got three hundred million. Today we're at six hundred fifty million. Now only nine months later from that, that first goal, so we've more than wow. doubled. Like, it's crazy what happens when you think about it as what's possible 
what team do I need to get there? So again, what got me out of having to work every day at Opener Capital and why you typically put in less than five hours a week at the entire company, despite us raising hundreds of millions of dollars and all this, it's because I just, I learned how to scale. And when you scale, you can get big enough to hire the right team in which you lead. So scale and leadership is what made it so that we can grow. And like some people were like, well, yeah, but you're only working a few hours a week. How do you know what's going on in each part of your business? I'm like, well, one, we operate within a very good system. We use EOS. So like, I know what everyone's doing all the time and everyone's got goals that are tracked to the, the 10 year goal, three year, one years, you know, one quarter weekly stuff. We got meetings that I attend a couple of a week. And the, the real answer there though, is I hired every single person is smarter and better than me in every regard, right? Every it. single person is better than me. So like, what if, if I look at underwriting and I'm like, oh, you know what? You only have $450 dedicated for paint. I think it's gonna be more like 500. What do I know? Right? This guy's like been underwriting hundreds of deals a month. Like he's so much better than me. And he's, he's built to do that. Like he's just, it's, it's infinitely better. And so as an entrepreneur, I just had to know, like I need, and people say this, but like, I really feel like I did a good job of it is I just hired people better than me and I got out of the way. Yeah. And this is open door capital. And, and so you guys have invested in mobile home parks. Uh, I think, you know, and you've done well with that. There's probably something to be said on a, a commercial level that it's it's much easier to manage uh, multifamily like apartment complexes. And so I would imagine that's probably, you know, why you're looking to scale more on that front, even though I like both asset classes. Technically, I just love mobile home parks because of the opportunity. But from a management standpoint, if you're not building in-house, it is really hard to manage them. I, I'd love to. Is there anything else you want to share about Open Door? Because you guys have a great reputation. It's a bummer that you have this other company that swooped in on the name that's creating some bad press. And by the way, I actually think it's really cool that you're rebranding. And I know we may not get into the specifics today, but I'm I'm excited about all the things that we discussed, you know, last week with name and brand and opportunity and all the cool stuff that you're rolling out. So uh, I, I'm thrilled. It's been the coolest thing I ever built uh, up until now. It was opened our capital just to see what happens when you get the right people around you and you lead them well within a system that doesn't allow anybody to slack. Right. But like, really like, I mean, like a, a month ago, we had like a big challenge. We got way too many. We had a bunch of apartments. And by the way, yes, you were hundred percent right. So out of my team of 70 people, 60 of them are on the mobile home park side, yet apartments make up more than half of our revenue. So it's like an 80, 20 thing. Like that's why apartments, like they're just more scalable. It takes the same, actually it's less work to buy a $90 million apartment than it is to buy a $3 million mobile home park. It is less work to manage a $90 million apartment than a $3 million mobile home park. And we're buying over $100 million a year of mobile home parks. We just can't buy more. Like, we're not slowing down. I just can literally not buy any more mobile home parks. We, I'm sure we're the biggest buyer in the world for mobile home parks right now. Like, I don't know anybody. Maybe Blackstone's buying more. I don't know. But you just can't buy more. So the question is, if we can raise more capital, and we have a lot of people begging to put their money with us, I mean, like, we could sit and like not take it, which would be fine. Or I could scale and I could go into apartments. That's why we got into apartments. And uh, I like both. I'm not going to stop on mobile home parks, but man, yeah, apartments are way easier. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's been a ride. It's been a trip and uh, I'm excited to see where we're going. We're trying to buy $10 billion of real estate in the next decade. That's the vision. So $10 billion in 10 years. That's incredible, Brandon. Well, I'm not only thrilled about uh, the fact that we're you know in Wellspring together. You've recently joined Front Row Dads, one of my favorite groups about being... Uh, family men first, businessmen second, which that's you through and through. And I love that you've made decisions that prove it. 
But third, you I'd love for you just to share real quick about the team that you have that hosts these epic dinners. You live in Maui, right? You just bought a place, you know, a secondary home in, in Coeur d'Alene, which is super cool. So you get, you know, a couple different seasons, a couple different, you know, landscapes. Um, but you spend most of your time in Maui and you've got this team there that just is, I mean, they make incredible food on open fire and just so much. Uh, it, it was delicious. It was an incredible experience. And, and you hosted outside under the starlight. Uh, I'd love for you to give, you know, props to them. Yeah, man. So this is one of my best friends. His name's Yeshua or Yeshua, but he goes by Yeshua. Uh, anyway, the, uh, he's one of my best friends in the whole world. And I met him out here in Maui and he was just, a, he was a sommelier, whatever they call him, like the wine guy at the Four Seasons. Phenomenal, like one of the top wine guys in the world. But he started this side hustle that ended up becoming like a, a really incredible business called Kiave Outdoor. It's K-I-A-W-E underscore outdoor on Instagram. So look up Kiave Outdoor on Instagram, everyone. But they just do, yeah, they just like, they would just like dig a big hole in a field and then throw a bunch of Kiave wood in, which is like a Hawaiian mesquite wood that's invasive. And they just like tons of like a big, huge fire and they would string up meat and vegetables and fruit over the fire. And they would just cook outside and tell stories and like have these really epic long tables with the party lights and like the whole thing. It's a vibe. Like it's a vibe. And I went to one of these events and I was like, this is the most life-changing dinner in like, this is unreal. And like the connections and the camaraderie you get with the people around you at these outside dinners for four or five. I mean, people don't do four or five hour meals anymore with wine and good people in conversation. That's what they're curating. So I became, I became really good friends with this guy. I host a lot of like masterminds out here in Maui. In fact, I have three in the next three weeks. We have a group called Cabana Club. It's anybody who invests like a high amount into our deals. We call them the Cabana Club and they're all coming out. We got like 70 people coming out next week for our Cabana Club, which is meetup. It's a way for us to reward kind of our top investors. And so like I've got, We've got a massive big dinner on the side of a mountain with the most incredible view with food and wine uh, with this company. So, yeah. And then I, and then I had this crazy idea. I was like, I got a lot of friends in, in Austin. So I talked to my buddy, Yeshua, and I'm like, Hey, what if you guys, uh, what if you and, and Matt, who's his partner on there? And I was like, what if you guys flew to Austin and just hosted a big dinner with us out there? And they're like, yes. So like I ended up doing two that week in Austin. Now it cost me a lot of money. I think I spent $50,000 on two dinners. Right. And. Can I look and say, this is exactly what I got out of it? I mean, three people invested in my fund. And I don't, I don't know the tangible what I got out of it necessarily, but here you and I are sitting here chatting. I don't know if we'd be here right now. And what's our relationship worth? What will we do together in the future? I mean, maybe we would have ran into each other at the Wellspring, but we wouldn't have had the same connection. We may have never even talked there, right? So like w w the point I make about that is sometimes you do things in life where you don't know what you're necessarily going to get. It's not a tit for tat, but when you put out good, amazing experiences, what I think, uh, was it Freud that said he called it like peak experiences? It's this moment of life where just like your elevated moments, right? Peak experience, like the whole mountain peak for us last week was a peak experience. But there's other times. And when you curate those in your life with amazing people, family, friends, like business people, whatever, on average, when I, on average, that is going to forever change the directory of your life. Maybe not every single one will, and maybe in ways that you don't even know. But if you just commit to a life of curating peak experiences your life 50 years from now 20 years from now will be radically different uh, and so that's what that event was all about and now you and i are sitting here on a podcast together because you i love up. it i love it curate 
magic experiences. You know, I, I, I tell people in my community all the time, I don't need more stuff. I want experiences and I want it with the people that matter most to me. And I actually want to help create those experiences for people that may otherwise never get to experience that because maybe they can't afford it or they never thought of it. Or, you know, it's just, it, it's something that had to be put together creatively. And so I love that you're doing that. Real, real quick, I'd like to tell one more story in there. Josh Dorkin and I were in the back of an Uber 10 years ago, probably Josh, who started bigger pockets. And I flew into Denver for some meeting thing. I don't, I never really lived there uh, while we were building bigger pockets. That's where he was at. So I flew into Denver. We're in the back of an Uber and we had this conversation and this conversation just, it was so subtle at the time, but man, how it impacted my life. And what he said was, and what we, we, we talked about, but what he said is when you're a teenager, those magical moments just happen like spontaneously, like, you know, Taco Bell at two in the morning when you're sitting with your buddy at the, you know, after they close and you're just having a conversation about life and God and family and your future. And it's just, you don't notice it in the moment, but it is magic. It is magic, right? Those happen all the time when you're a kid and when you're a teenager, you start to phase out and you get to college and there might be a few of them and you become an adult and they stop. They almost entirely stop because you just get busy running life and they're very rare. And so as an adult, we need to be intentional about curating magical moments or more of intentional about creating moments in which magic happens. Like that night was freezing cold. We were, it was like ridiculously cold when we were in Austin and we had this amazing dinner and there's, there's no guarantee it was going to be a magical night, but it was a magical night because we set the environment correctly. And that is what Kiava Outdoor is all about. They magically create these moments, these little settings where we intentionally enter a place which allows magic to happen. And that's, I'm just so passionate about. I love it. Brandon, I could talk to you for another hour or two. And unfortunately, we've got to get uh, running at this point. But can you please share with my audience where people can learn more about you and Open Door Capital? Sure, man. Uh, I, I'm a social media junkie. I love it. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok and all that good stuff. It's Beardy Brandon, Beard with a Y at the end, Beardy Brandon. Yes, I have a beard. If you're not watching this, you're listening to it. Uh, I have a very uh, homeless looking beard. And then uh, ODC Fund, Open Door Capital. So ODC Fund dot com is where everything real estate business wise is uh, is put. So check it out there. Love it. So cool. And for anyone listening, for anyone watching, if you're curious, how do you learn from more amazing people like this that are, you know, smart, that have kind of figured the game out, that have incredible deals and incredible deal flow and can save on taxes and have tax strategy and uh, you're looking for other like-minded individuals that are playing the game of life and business at a higher level. Uh, I really encourage you to apply to join the most exclusive mastermind that turns everyday people into savvy investors, where you get a chance to check out private deals, things that are just, well, I call them invisible deals. They're not open to the public and the terms are specialized and and preferred, you know, they're, they're pre-negotiated, uh, they're de-risked based on those terms and just so much advantage uh, with getting a quicker return and, and getting, you know, a lower fee or a lower minimum type of access. Feel free to apply at lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash mastermind. Uh, and just to wrap things up, as I do every week, I've got a question. The question's the same every week. What's the one step that you can take today to move towards financial freedom and to live a life that's truly on your terms, a life that you desire, a life by design, not by default? We'll catch you next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.